0: open with a text. I'm Brett McGarry, by the way. He's Greg Mackling. Hi, Greg. Good morning, Brett. I'm to open with a text here from John, who says, wow, city did amazing job on side streets. Jameson is very good. Thank you, snow workers. Thanks for that feedback, John. Yeah, I think they've, they've done a, we've said this already a, la, a couple of times the last few days, but uh, I've been really impressed with how they handled it given the kind of snow that fell. I saw one of those little sidewalk snow throwers struggling yesterday oh, to get through.
1: they had some big piles of snow yeah. to get through, right? Some giant snow banks that, uh, well, four lanes of traffic sometimes, four lanes worth of snow... That's been piled onto a sidewalk, and they've got to make their way through that. It's not easy.
0: Yeah, and there's only 26 of them, so they're they're working hard, and it was tough. You know, like they, I went for a walk yesterday afternoon for the first time in a couple of weeks. Kind of hit me that I, I, I've been sort of in hiding. I've been holed up for the last couple of weeks, Blame you, and uh, it was nice to to get out. But even walking around Richman's Lane on Ruskin Row and what have you. Their, their sidewalks were not clear. No, uh, no. So the Wellington Crescent had been cleared. So like the, some of the the main sidewalks had been cleared, but uh, the, the side streets still not. So, I mean, there's a lot of, was it 2,900 kilometers you said That's yesterday? what the city
1: to- tells us, 2,900 kilometers. And if there's 26 machines, that's over 100 kilometers of... Of sidewalk per machine. And we know some of them are being done two or three times because they have to go back and follow up where the street plows have gone. Now, I have another take on this. You asked me yesterday, Greg, do you know your zone? I'm like, you know what? I don't know my zone because I don't really need to because I don't park on the street. Fortunate enough to have a driveway where I can park my car at night. And um, well, it's this morning from 7 a.m. till 7 p.m. Which on its own is just sort of more information than anything. But today's also our garbage day. Oh. So our garbage carts are, everybody has their garbage carts out at the end of their driveways. And they're going to be coming through our neighborhood with snow plows. Oh boy. Yeah, that's uh, certainly not in my mind very well coordinated. Going to cause some problems. I said to Jackie last night, I said well, maybe they did that so they don't have to clean the windrows off the driveways because in the suburbs, we're kind of lucky they will come and they'll clear the windrows best they can uh, from the front of your driveway. Well, really? Oh yeah. oh man. yeah, I that's okay. That's one of the benefits. Well, because you don't have to do your front street and the back lane. I think that's oh, kind of the okay. compromise, right? Because you don't have a back lane. That makes sense. Well, what are they going to do now? You've got these big uh, your garbage and your recycling cart at the end of the driveway. They are not going to be able to do that today, like like anywhere. I don't think so. I put both my carts. I usually put one on one each one on each corner of my driveway. I put them really close to one another in the way they usually plow the street in hopes that I won't get uh, <laughs> mucked over <laughs> okay. Cause I don't want to have to shovel a windrow when I get home today.
0: Do you, are you visited with a, by a, trucks with the arms or is it guys who come and load the trucks manually? Yeah, with or the, the arms, with yeah. the arms.
1: Yeah. Okay. So they won't like me very much, but, oh. uh, but anyway, whatever, uh, you know, it's all about <laughs> me. <laughs>
0: Uh, Coming up at 7.15, we want to make it all about you as we look for another qualifier for our Win Local Contest. We are looking to invite you to the Grand Finale event Monday, April 9th at One Great City Brewing Company. And if you are today's qualifier, you will win a $50 gift card to the One Great City Brewing Company. Full details on all the the great prizes up for grabs at cjob.com. Win local with 680
1: CJOB. That's up at 715. And before that, we're going to speak with the mayor. Yes, the mayor's coming to see us this morning, so we will ask him about a variety of things, including snow clearing, his relationship with the chief of the Winnipeg Fire Paramedics Service. Maybe not his relationship personally, but the relationship between the chief and the city. The city just had to pay a $130,000 fine on behalf of the chief because of some unfair labor practices uh, that were ruled upon, and we'll find out about that conversation and that Uh, the temperature of that relationship. And also want to find out, there was a report a few weeks ago that the province was going to claw back some of the funding for the Southwest Rapid Transit Corridor because it had an original budget of around $600 million. And once everything went out to tender, it came in at just over $450 million, a substantial savings. Well, the province is saying, hey, 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 hey. We want some of that savings back. So I want to know uh, what the status is on that and a variety of other things. And I'm going to try and ask the mayor if we are planning any big street parties for NHL playoffs should the Jets uh, stick around for a while.
0: On this International Women's Day, Business Development Bank of Canada, or BDC, and Women's Enterprise Organizations of Canada, or WEOC, are announcing a collaboration to boost support for women entrepreneurs. The announcement happens today in Winnipeg at the Women's Enterprise Center of Manitoba. International Women's Day breakfast at the Met Grand Hall, sold out by the way partnership is targeting women entrepreneurs at all business stages and assisting them in taking their business to the next level. And we'll add on to the BDC's commitments to support women entrepreneurs with new targets of $1.4 billion in lending Mm -hmm. to women-led businesses by 2021, and then $200 million in additional investments in women's-led technology firms over the next Five years. Laura
1: Didick is vice president of Alberta South for BDC and the national sponsor for BDC's Women Entrepreneur Initiative. Laura, how about you tell us more about the partnership?
2: Well, we, the bank has uh, is entering into a, a second sort of three-year initiative. Uh, we started at a women's entrepreneur initiative back in 2015, and we're just concluding our, our three years where we had set a target for ourselves and have exceeded it and have grown our portfolio by 49%. And so we knew we could do more, and we've been very uh, very impressed but not surprised by the uh, by the number of women entrepreneurs and, and their drive um, to start and grow their businesses. So through this new sort of three-year um, commitment where we have doubled our targets, we knew we uh, couldn't do it alone and so we've uh, entered into a more formal agreement. We already had a great relationship with the Women's Enterprise Organizations of Canada but we entered into a more formal agreement um, to help unleash the potential of women entrepreneurs. So um, we all has uh, developed in very innovative programs to assist women um, at all their business stages, and they include uh, some of it includes you know offering uh, professional business advice and mentoring. And uh, their professional advice and mentoring gives us confidence that then the women entrepreneur has received uh, the new skills, the training, the contacts to optimize their business plan and so as a result, when they're working with WIOC, um, when they're referred through WIOC, they're more likely to secure financing from us and hopefully from other financial institutions because of the support that they've received.
0: Now, as we learned yesterday morning in my feature on Young Women Entrepreneurs, just under 16% of Canadian entrepreneurs are women. They also have a lower propensity to request financing versus men, and have more challenges in accessing capital. So, Laura, why is that?
2: Well, they're in industries. I mean, generally, about eighty percent of women, majority women-owned businesses, are in the service and retail industry, which are typically they typically have a lower share of high growth firms, which tends to um, attract um, financial backers more. So, I think that's some of it. They also are less likely to use debt to fuel their business, they have lower financial literacy in general and and often assume that their loan application is going to be rejected and so use their personal savings. And and so obviously, I mean, what we want to do is is be able to arm them, not only with the skills, but with the confidence that they can um, get the the backing, the financial backing that they need to be able to grow their business and and grow it uh, faster, as fast or faster than what their uh, their male uh, partnerships would.
0: Laura Diddick is Vice President of Alberta South for BDC and the national sponsor for BDC's Women Entrepreneur Initiative, talking about a partnership to boost support for women entrepreneurs. More details will be rolled out today at the Sold Out Women's Enterprise Center of Manitoba International Women's Day Breakfast at the Met Grand Hall. Great place to go
1: for any event. Yeah. I think we're going there for an event. Is it on Good Friday? The Winnipeg Nightlife Awards. That's
0: right. You can still vote uh, for CJOB at winnipegnightlifeawards.com. And uh, Hal Anderson's still in the running for uh, for favorite radio personality, so go vote for him.
1: Absolutely, and uh, you're, you and I are going to have to put on a shirt and tie.
0: Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and I can't can't wear my uh, my hoodie. I guess my CJOB hoodie or your bunny hug. Oh come on, why why are you calling it that?
1: That's not that. Yeah, I thought you hate Saskatchewan. We discussed this yesterday: yeah. booter versus soaker, yeah. and kangaroo came up, hoodie came up, and the fact that. Saskatchewan, unlike the rest of the world, calls a hooded sweatshirt a bunny hug. Well, the Canadian English Oxford Dictionary has officially added, and this came out yesterday afternoon, has officially (laughs) added bunny hug Really? as an actual Canadian word. So, Uh Saskatchewan, you win again. (laughs) I surrender, but I will not call it a bunny hug. It's a hoodie, damn it. (laughs) Temperature's
0: going down. That uh, often happens as the sun starts to come up, the temperature goes down. I think one of our listeners once explained why that happens. We had a scientist on to explain it once.
3: Yeah, I it can't remember it. The sunlight in the atmosphere uh, agitates all the atoms in the air, which drops the temperature.
1: And, uh, Good that's, memory, that's Jeff Braun. That's the voice of Jeff Braun, who got his first
3: ever booter yesterday, yep. ironically. After enough. bragging about how I'd never had one. Yeah, Are you serious? That? He yeah. did. <laughs> Where did it happen? I had to step into a snowbank to help push out my neighbor's car. Oh, yeah. That's the very first time you got a booter. That I recall. How I did it know. feel? It was cold. <laughs> but like a minute later, I was fine because it's 2018 civilization. Well,
1: at, at least, at least. <laughs> you don't have to lose
3: a foot to the cold in, when you live in a city. At least you did not get a
1: soaker. soaker sure. Yeah, or a. Pooper. That's uh, newly penned <laughs> by Kelly Moore. Shanelie Vidal is here omnipresent uh, behind the glass. Jerry, Brett and Greg with you today is international women's day. We will be putting an extra focus on women today on the show this morning. And uh, we're going to have coffee. Talk about women who inspire us. So let's uh, start with the lady of the panel, Shanelie Vidal.
4: It, it's funny because this morning, this is actually um, a, a really different answer than, then from a year ago. Uh, And I can't name any single one woman that inspires me. In fact, it's more of a collective of women, women who have in the past year, I've seen women standing up for themselves, women coming together, women showing up to march in the streets uh, when other people would have just stayed at home. Uh, Women who have been inspiring, inspiring me to take a stand for myself and to change my own life and to make me realize that no we're, we're not done. We're not even anywhere close to being done. The fight continues. And, you know, we have to keep reminding ourselves that we have to keep fighting for equality, not just for equality for women, but equality for everyone.
1: I think that's a great point, Shanley. Well said, uh, well proposed. And I, I think, uh, Kelly, that if you've been been uh, under a rock for the last year and you came <laughs> out uh, maybe in the last, you know, six months, maybe you were hibernating and you came out, uh, do you sense that things are changing on that front? This Me Too oh, movement really
5: seems to have yeah. had an effect. Absolutely. And for all of the right reasons, I mean, I'm the father of two daughters and. Uh, The grandfather of two granddaughters. So, uh, certainly uh, hearing uh, the emotion and the passion in Chanelie's voice there. It uh, gives me great cause. For, and, and our girls were raised to stand up for themselves. And Lord knows over the years, they have. Uh, they, they've earned the moniker B word a couple of times for uh, doing what they felt was best. And uh, we were always proud of them for that. And uh, certainly hope our granddaughters follow in the same vein. But, you know, and this is not going to be a shocker. My uh, w- one woman who in particular has really inspired me outside of my uh, uh, direct family is uh, related to sports, but not necessarily for what she's done as an athlete. I mean, I always loved what Clara Hughes was able to do in the Olympic stage, uh, both in the summer and winter games as a speed skater and a cyclist. But she is one of my all-time heroes for the great job she has done in the education of mental health. Clara Hughes, as far as I am concerned, uh, should be up for sainthood.
1: I love that. Uh, the, collectively, yeah. you know, if we want to talk about sport and Manitoba, the stage that Manitoba claims in sport, we have uh, a lot of women to thank for Manitoba punching way above, their above weight our, our weight yeah. class. And I'm not saying sort of. Like, Manitoba yeah. may be the pinnacle, the hub. We talk about being the home of curling. We may have, per capita, the best female athletes anywhere on the planet. Agreed. Behind the glass, Jerry? Is what? it Supergirl? No. Lois Lane? No. Wonder Woman? No. <laughs> Cat Lady?
5: Who? Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> Cat Lady's your neighbor, Kelly.
6: <laughs> uh, the woman that, that has always inspired me is Catherine Blanford. Uh, she's uh, my mom. Uh, when uh, we, she was raising four kids, uh, she was married to my dad. Um, uh, she actually put herself through university, got her BA while she was raising four kids. And then uh, after my mom and dad split up, it was just me and my mom living together. And uh, she decided she was going to quit working and go back to school. And she became a teacher. And I have no idea how we survived while she was going to school and not working. But it was just me and mom. And she made sure that I didn't want for anything And um, so that's why she's uh, always been a huge inspiration to me.
1: You stole, Um, you kind of stole mine. Not your mom, but you (laughs) you know, (laughs) I didn't even know you knew my mom. No, exactly. No, that that's uh, that's awesome, Jerry. Uh, Brett,
0: I, uh, you know, I, I I can't really think of one person in particular. I just sort of look back at uh, the last year of working with you, Greg, and all the the many women who have come through for whether they're they're here to support community events or. The, the thing that sort of inspired my feature yesterday on Young Entrepreneurs, how they are, like, I, I think maybe that's where it would be. It would be the the young women in this city who are really uh, rallying around our city and sort of helping to drive the love local movement. Um I, I just see the, 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 the there's a real sense of collaboration in this city and cooperation, and, and it's not uh, it's about embracing each other as opposed to trying to cut each other down. Uh, so I think that, that that's the kind of thing that really inspires me. Uh, but I actually want to tell a, just a quick funny story here. Uh, this goes back to when I was a teenager playing basketball. Uh, we had a Bernie Wolf school in Transcona, had a drop-in. Throughout the summer you could just go and play basketball, there would always be a, a few dozen. Kids there playing ball, and I was playing with my friend Keith Resler, or uh, the Rizza, as we like to call him. <laughs> and uh, so I've always been a, a tall. I was like six feet tall at this point. Keith's always been a, a little bit shorter than me. But we're playing one on one on one of the side hoops, and these two girls come over. I have no idea how old they were. Um, but they—they they were both very small, and they challenged us to a game of two on two. So we said, "Okay, sure, <laughs> this will be this will be easy." And they <laughs> proceeded to destroy us uh, in one, two, three consecutive games. We kept going again because we wanted. To beat them. And they shot the lights out, and they kicked our ba- our butts so bad. And it was a real, it was one of those turning point kind of moments where I, I changed my perspective mm-hmm. on a lot of things. And uh, and I'm glad that it happened because it really, it was a lot of fun, and it was humbling, and it gave me a, it really helped change my entire life perspective. Now one a basketball game.
3: Your appetite for redemption turned into a much larger lesson, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeff Braun? I thought we were supposed to pick an international woman, and I don't really know any, so I wasn't sure what to do.
1: It's oh, a joke. So what you're saying is your housework assignment isn't complete? Is it Supergirl? Is it Cat Lady?
3: Can I pick Jerry's mom? <laughs> no. Uh, daily, on a daily basis, I'm continually uh, amazed by what women go through that the things just, you know— they tell you a story like I took a bus downtown and then here's the three creepy things that happened to me every no. single day and everyone's got so many stories and every time I hear one of those stories, it's just like, how do you people leave the house in the morning? I would just stay inside if I had to deal with stuff like well, that. Well, it's like so. Jimmy
0: Kimmel at the Oscars when he said... Uh, you know with all these changes that we're making this is positive stuff and if we can make a change so that women don't have to deal with sexual harassment in the workplace they'll only have to deal with <laughs> sexual harassment everywhere else, else they go <laughs> yeah. for the, oh, <laughs> yeah. for the rest of yeah. their lives uh, so i mean it was it was a funny joke but it was timely in the sense that yeah, yeah no, he's exactly. right this is what yeah. the kind of stuff that we didn't know went on really until it sort of became The spotlight was lit last year.
1: Yeah. And the conversation needs to continue. I'm just going to wrap it up because I know we're short of time. This is something, uh, this is a phrase that I've heard many times, uh, but it is absolutely accurate. A man may work from dusk to dawn, but a woman's work is never done. Mm -hmm. And uh, that applies to my grandmothers because I have multiple grandmothers and my late mom, my mother-in-law, my wife, so many women in my life who find that extra gear just when like you know when we're done at the end of the day and you think you can't do anything else they come home from a long day and they magically find a way to to do something that you had zero energy for and they've been up before you I can't say that very often now but for most of my life and so uh, that, that saying really sticks with me and I send that out to all the hard working women out there Back Big McGarry with you in the morning, and uh, we welcome to the studio Mayor Brian Bowman with us, International Women's Day today, uh, Mayor Bowman. And Brett, I just wanted to give you uh, kudos uh, for your comments in our last conversation and the series and the stories that you did on entrepreneurship uh, in our city and some of the incredible work being done by women in the community, and I kind of want to start there. Mm-hmm. Brett said, you know, to paraphrase, So proud of the way women are doing incredible things in our city. There's a sense of community and really standing up for Winnipeg in a way we haven't seen in a long time as it pertains to entrepreneurship. Do
6: you get that sense, Mayor Bowman? Oh, man. I mean, it it has changed so much since. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember speaking with uh, relatives of mine and— being told, you know, as as females, uh, the choices were, um, were were very limited. It was it was, and I remember I, I remember having conversations. I think it was with one of my aunts saying, "You could be a secretary," as, as as the term was used, a, a nurse. Um, you, I mean, it was very it was very limited, and and um, and there were women even when at that age that were pioneers in different industries and facing uh, the glass ceiling and facing a lot of sexism in the workplace. Uh, sadly, that that continues uh, in society. It continues in Canada, it continues in Winnipeg. And there's there's still a lot more work we need to do. But, you know, you look at uh, at women in leadership roles in uh, in, uh, in Manitoba and in Winnipeg, I mean, I think of, you, you talk about entrepreneurship, the head of economic development Winnipeg is Dana Spiring. She's, uh, she's doing incredibly important work, um, and uh, she happens to be a female. Um, you know, at City Hall, we've got four members of council who are female, three in leadership roles. We have our speaker who I supported, uh, Councillor uh, Devi Sharma is our speaker, uh, first female speaker in the history of the city of Winnipeg um uh, Jenny Jabassi is uh, deputy mayor i appointed her to that position and Cindy Gilroy is uh, is uh, leading uh, our new innovation committee um you know so uh, and, and 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 you can just i'm sure you've been talking about just different industry after industry where women are are leading as 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 they do
0: so you actually you're on your way uh, after this to uh, what, something that we mentioned earlier the uh, Women's Enterprise Center of Manitoba yeah. International Women's Day breakfast at the
6: Met Grand Hall. Yeah, first time, and uh, it'll be I'm I'm sure it'll be a, a huge success. I'm looking forward to getting down there and and uh, just having some conversations with with fellow Winnipeggers. And supporting that that effort
1: now the provincial government has come out uh, very vocally and and put in place some very uh, strict I wouldn't call them regulations, but they've certainly sort of really laid out what the rules are within mm. the workplace at the province. I think mm-hmm. that would be fair yep. way to phrase it. Mayor Bowman have you done that at the city and 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 what are you doing at city hall and within the in the city to ensure equality and a, and
6: a safe workplace for women? Well, uh, firstly, I, I think the province sh- and the provincial government should be commended. Uh, I think that was a very positive announcement and uh, and and much needed. Um, and, and they should be supported in that effort. Um, at City Hall, we um, we've been doing a, a lot of work uh, within the public service. Uh, they're currently reviewing some of their codes and harassment policies, and they're they're also centralizing it on a on a single website so you can go to a, a page and you can find it easy to to get the information you need if you are. Feeling like you're you're facing harassment uh, in the workplace, and that's you know in a time of stress, um, you, you need to make it very very easy for for victims. Um, on the other side of the courtyard at City Hall, um, our first Integrity Commissioner worked collaboratively with all members of Council and myself to uh, to uh, to come up with a new and strengthened code of conduct for members of Council and for their staff, and um, and so we've we've absolutely been strengthening the checks and balances at City Hall uh, to make sure that it is. Uh, it's an inclusive work environment for members of council and for staff and for the public who, who interact with members of council and our staff.
0: I want to ask you about snow clearing. Uh, we've been sort of saying that it's been a great job, we think. You know, the city's mm-hmm. done a really good job clearing the street. This was a major snow event, uh, one we haven't seen for probably a couple of years, really. Yeah. But uh, a lot of people have been uh, upset about the the sidewalks. Mm-hmm. And uh, you guys are sort it's kind of a tough one for you because you have 26 of these little uh yeah. snow throwers for sidewalks uh it, what is it 24 hours greg that the, that it has to be cleared.
1: i think 36 is 36? the mandate or the goal and you know for the most part i, I th- we think oh. they, they've done pretty well but we don't walk everywhere and there have been some complaints but overall mm-hmm. the reaction to this cleanup has been good do we need to maybe refocus uh, some effort in terms of sidewalk clearing
6: yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I appreciate your preamble because let's not lose sight of the fact this was a major snowfall and we kept the city moving. We didn't have to call in the military uh, like they do in other cities. Uh, and and hopefully we won't ever have to do that now that I've made that joke. Um, but, you know, it, there, there was a lot of snow that fell and our, our crews deserve a tremendous amount of credit. They're working through the night. Um, they're hitting residential streets now. Um, is there always opportunities for efficiencies and improvements? Absolutely, and uh, and that work will continue, and uh, we should be open to that. I, I don't think we should say, "Well, it's perfect." No, no operation like that uh, it can't improve, and so we're going to keep keep uh, looking for ways to uh, to improve the efficiencies. But in the meantime, I, I think Winnipeggers deserve a lot of credit. They're incredibly patient. Uh, Monday morning when I woke up and uh, had to shovel off the snow off my truck, I mean, it was. There was a lot of snow there, and the fact that we we kept the city moving, I think uh, everybody deserves a lot of credit for helping their neighbours out and... Uh and uh, And really being patient because it it does require some patience, yeah,
1: sometimes I think we overdo it. I think we're overzealous on this idea of we have to keep the city going and and there there might be a you know this idea of snow emergencies that they implement in other cities. We wear it as a badge of honor, but sometimes I think we pay for that well, in other ways. Other so. cities,
6: other cities require citizens to shovel the city's sidewalks in front of their street and find them. I mean, we're I'm not please don't make that a story that i'm suggesting that's where we're going (laughs) please but i mean we 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 put a lot of energy and a lot of resources into clearing snow and and we're a model and we're often cited by other canadian cities uh for a city that that does a really good job on it and when i speak to other mayors in other cities uh they're they're like wow like we we couldn't even contemplate doing what you guys do in winnipeg and we're a winter city i mean we have we have to and um, citizens need to be able to get around, uh, whether they're driving, they're on the bus, or they're they're uh, they're on our sidewalks, uh, especially wheelchair, you know, cycling, um, and and we do uh, our absolute best to keep the city moving on all those fronts.
0: I know we only have ninety seconds left because uh, we have a hard deadline to get you out of here. Uh, we wanted to
1: ask you about possible NHL playoffs. You know, Nashville kind of set the bar really high last year with street parties on Broadway. Mm-hmm. If the Jets manage to go into the second round, are we going to show the
6: rest of North America who knows how to party? Or what? Um, uh, look, I'm I'm not normally a superstitious guy, um, but I know <laughs> some of the but I know this. but I know some of the Jets players <laughs> and some of the Jets fans are. Uh, my my suggestion on live radio is let's keep our our sticks on the ice, oh. our head up, and look for the back <laughs> of the net and make sure we get into the playoffs. And when we do. I would, I, I, will absolutely look forward to coming back and and discussing what the playoffs will look like in the city. Uh, do you have a number twenty six jersey
1: on underneath <laughs> that suit, sounding exactly like There's Captain Blake Wheeler? There's a lot Blake of Wheeler. hockey to
6: play over the next month, and you know what? Uh, our family, like so many others, uh, the other night when Linea got his uh, another hat trick. Uh, uh, our our kids and I were just absolutely cheering. It was it's it's so much fun right now. But yeah, I, I I'm treading very carefully on right. on what I discuss publicly right. right now. Okay, yeah. just
1: know uh, we want to talk to you about it, uh, and I and
6: I want to have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to get into the playoffs, and I want them to go far. So, um, and you know, let's just let's just keep up that support and. Uh, they keep supporting the team because they're they're what a ride this season has been, and True North deserves a tremendous amount of credit for the team they're they're assembling.
1: Macklin McGarry in the morning. We're here till ten o'clock. I'm Greg. He's Brett. And uh, national basketball awards were given out last night, and two Westmin women took home hardware. Antoinette
0: Miller was named a first team All Canadian after leading the country in scoring, and Lena Wenke was named the Tracy McLeod Award winner for perseverance. Global News reporter Christian O'Meal has the story of the vicious attack that left Wenke on life support and her determined journey to get back on the court.
7: Wenke with three to shoot. She's four of five tonight from downtown. Her best game of the year. Lena Wenke didn't plan on playing basketball in Winnipeg. The daughter of German basketball players, she envisioned playing college ball in the US. But she ended up on a call with Westman coach Tanya McKay, who one day would be by her side as she fought for her life.
8: Tanya was so friendly and she was the only coach that always, like every time we FaceTimed or Skyped, she always asked me how I was doing and how my parents were doing. That just made me feel like welcomed.
7: Wenke stepped foot on Canadian soil for the first time in the fall of 2015, her rookie season with the Westman.
8: Everyone was so nice that was the first thing I noticed. was everyone always said hi they always talked to me they asked me how he's doing they just made me feel welcomed. coach. She had so much trust in me. She let me play 20, 30 minutes every game starting. It felt really good. And
7: last year, Wankie's sophomore season was a breakthrough year for the program, winning the Canada West Bronze Medal, their first medal since 2003. With a number of graduating players, Wankie was poised to become a key part of this year's roster. Then, on Tuesday, May 23rd of 2017, basketball would take a back seat.
9: Basketball community in our city is trying to come to
3: grips as a young player is recovering from a horrific attack in the West End. We say a 20-year-old woman was left for dead near Ellis Avenue and Dominion Street. Injuries were unbelievable,
10: particularly horrific. Still very fresh and very new for all of us to even process.
8: I have over 70 stabbing wounds and my patella tendon was torn.
7: Wenke was rushed to hospital and spent 24 hours on life support. After a week in the hospital, she was released and stayed with McKay for a week before heading back to Germany and beginning the long road to recovery.
8: I remember there was this one exercise, just pressing a dumbbell over your head with your arms, trying to do that with five pounds maybe, and I struggled. lot. I don't know how much I pushed before, 25, 30 up there, and and I couldn't even do it with five pounds. That just reminded me of how long that recovery was still going to
7: be. But slowly she began to regain her strength, motivated by the idea of getting back on the court, which she admits was something she first thought may never happen again.
8: Maybe the knee was going to cause problems. So yes, I was afraid, but... I was just focusing on at least trying to get back out there. If it doesn't work, then it doesn't work, then I can always think of a plan B. I wanted to come back here. I love being in Canada and I wanted that back.
7: Flash forward to December 1st, just over six months after the attack. The Westmen are hosting the McEwen Griffins and Wenke is ready to play.
8: I was so excited the night before, like I couldn't sleep. I was nervous, very nervous of stepping on the court and not being able to do what I used to. But just being back out there with the team and having that trust from coach too, it's just It felt awesome.
7: She played 20 minutes that night scoring six points and played in nine regular season games along with four playoff contests. But Wenki knows she's not 100% back and it weighs on her that she's not the same player she was before.
8: I have days where after games when I didn't play well, those were the times where I was kind of upset that what happened happened to me. I felt like I couldn't be there for my team enough. I couldn't do more for the team. It's hard, but you always have to think back and be like, well, look how far I've come.
7: Wanky is now receiving national recognition for her journey back to the court, winning the Tracy McLeod Award, named for the Brandon Bobcats player, who in 1993 broke her leg in a game, needed amputation, and returned to the court with an artificial limb. Coach McKay says Wanky's story, truly inspirational.
2: Lena is an
4: incredibly strong woman. She motivated me as a coach. You know, there's no one stronger. But the most amazing thing is, is her positive attitude. You know, she's driven. She wants to
8: continue. I mean, this kid went above and beyond.
7: After hearing these words from her coach, Wanky got emotional talking about the award.
8: It means a lot. I'm I'm very honored. (laughs) I'm sorry, this is so overwhelming. (laughs) I'm proud to be here and um, be able to receive that award. I'm hoping that maybe it will motivate other people to see how far I've come after overcoming something like that big and working so hard like I've worked so hard I don't think I've ever had to work that hard in my life before.
7: She says she's going to spend the summer continuing to get her strength back heading into her fourth season and McKay says regardless of how Wenke's career on the court goes from here her life just getting started.
4: What she's gone through is it's a miracle. She is where she is. I still remember seeing her on life support. This kid has a lot of special things ahead to have been in that moment with her back in May and be here with her right now beside her. She's just stepping into her future. Only great things are gonna happen because of the kid she is.
7: Christian O'Mel, Global News.
1: Thank you, Christian. An incredible story. The man accused of attacking Lena Wenke as Junior say who has been charged with attempted murder. He is set to go on trial in July.
4: Shattering Glass, Winnipeg's Women, on 680 CJOB.
0: As we continue our Shattering Glass series, which we have been doing for the last couple of days on 680 CJOB, a series looking at women living in our city. As things, you know, they've improved for women in the workforce, but there are so many outstanding issues: pay inequity, glass ceilings, underrepresentation. We just learned yesterday from the four young entrepreneurs that I spoke to at uh, Generate Cakes, Sweet Sea Bakery, and Oh Donuts. Which, by the way, I got yes. so many people saying, "Why is it all bakeries?" So my my the essential way that I can respond to that is, um, because yum. I got to go to the... They were all great women, and they all <laughs> work at bakeries. So I got to
1: feed myself while I interviewed them. The best answer to why is why not, especially in a situation like that.
0: Yeah, but they all... So they all... Some of the challenges they, they have faced over the years, well, one of the, the main ones is being taken seriously, particularly when you're looking for funding. Well, Jeff Currier had. did he interviewed five CEOs, and he's been playing some of the interviews throughout the week here on 680 CJOB, and he's put a package together for us and for you. Here it is. We'll get ahead someday.
11: We'll get ahead someday. Sometimes you just can't get to the executive suite uh, because you're looked over. Uh, that certainly has happened to me in my career as well. And uh, that despite uh, many, many extra hours to prove your worth and, and to try and get there.
9: Evelyn Jacks is the CEO of the Knowledge Bureau and author of the Jackson on Tax series of books. She's one of this country's foremost experts on taxation. But because the path to the corner office was blocked for her early in her career, she started her own company and it's worked out. But she's not alone in having been rejected early on simply for being a woman. Helen Halliday is the CEO of the Royal Aviation Museum. She worked in the Delta hotel chain for many years, eventually managing the Delta Winnipeg. But in the beginning, it was a different story at a different company.
8: The general manager I had to see in order to apply for the management trainee program. And uh, I thought I was a perfect candidate. I had taken my commerce degree, hospitality and tourism at Guelph, and I wanted to be a management trainee. And he just said to me, I want to make one thing abundantly clear, and that is the day that I recommend a woman to be a management trainee is the day I turn over my grave.
9: Stepping into a male-dominated business environment has produced a variety of experiences for the CEOs we spoke to for this series. Here's Mariette Miller, who is CEO of the World Trade Center Winnipeg.
12: Uh, Oh, yes, absolutely. That's happened throughout my career. Uh, I guess, Jeff, when it really hit me. So I worked for the federal government, and I was going to school and part-time at the Université de Saint-Boniface and then to um, U of M. uh, But I was working for the government, and that was pretty that that was pretty equal but then i i worked at Uh, the Economic Development Council for Manitoba Bilingual Municipalities. And that's when it was really different, it was was really male-dominated. The whole environment of municipalities, especially rural municipalities, and also um, the business world, the economic development world.
9: Maler also bumped up against a wage gap between herself and her male counterparts.
12: I am sure about that, I'm sure yes. I think that if I would have been a man in all these positions, Um, salary would have been different. I'm I'm quite confident about that.
9: And that was the sort of thing that Jack's experienced as well.
11: Oh, yes. (laughs) It might be one of the reasons why I'm (laughs) self-employed.
9: Much of what happens to women in the workplace, especially those who are working their way up the corporate ladder, depends very much on the company and its philosophy. Kim Ulmer is the regional president for RBC for Manitoba, Saskatchewan, northwestern Ontario, and into north of 60. She hasn't had to battle the wage gap, but acknowledges that it is out there.
1: Part of it is just the unconscious bias and making sure that we're taking a look at, you know, at at the skill set and where you are and making sure that there is equity because it really is about inclusivity and equity.
9: As for the glass ceiling, which we so often hear about, once again, it varies. Here's Diane Gray. She's the CEO of Centerport, although she spent a good portion of her career working for the provincial government.
4: I'm going to say in government, um... I never felt that way and and it's possibly because I had very strong mentors, male and female both, and who were very supportive of me and who um, gave me great advice at the right points in my career.
9: The others, like Jack, says we can't pretend it isn't there but they've learned how to deal with it.
11: It has been there and I have just never really considered it to be my problem. I have sometimes been frustrated by it, but I have tried to carry on the best I could to learn from, you know, every experience.
12: Um, I don't think that I experienced it, but I saw it, and I, I still see it. Um, I don't see it in my world. Maybe, maybe it's because I I'm I'm ignoring it. I don't know, but there was definitely times, and there's still times today that I show up and. Uh, you know it and it, it's changed
8: but at, you know at one point i would be the female at at the boardroom table and so i think you know differentiated yes disadvantaged never people say well you know how did you fight the glass ceiling or whatever and and my honest opinion is is i always worked as if it wasn't there
9: over the course of their careers these successful women have experienced various forms of harassment but The common thread is that they are powerful individuals who didn't let any of the barriers get in their way of their success. And they advise young women to go out and grab whatever it is they want.
0: Thank you very much for that, Jeff uh, Courier. co-produced by Behind the Glass Jerry. For more
4: stories, go to cjob.com and search Winnipeg Women. One, two,
11: three...
0: Thank you very much, Jeff Braun. And uh, just to touch on what we were discussing moments ago, before Global News at 8 o'clock, looks like Murdoch McKay defeated Leo Remiad in the Price C Championship Finals, talking about Winnipeg High School hockey, with one of our listeners who... <laughs> Has uh, developed a bit of a rivalry with me because I'm I went to Trudeau College Pierre Elliott Trudeau, and uh, this is clearly a Murdoch booster. So hey, thanks for that fun. Uh, sorry, we can't text message you back. We're having problems with our text messaging this morning, so we can receive text messages, but we don't seem to be able to send them. So we are not ignoring you. They just can't, uh, the text messages just can't go through. All right. Three things for Shanley Vidal on a big day for Shanley in particular. Three things about International Women's
1: Day. Hi, Shanley.
4: Good morning, Brett. Good morning, Greg.
1: Good morning, SLV. Yeah.
4: And uh, and coming up in these things, I'm going to tell you why International Women's Day is uh, hopefully a big day for, for everyone. But first, let's start with the history. Now, the history of International Women's Day goes back to the early part of the 20th century. The first National Women's Day was observed in the United States, February 28th, 1909, by the Socialist Party. This was out of the 1908 garment workers' strike in New York. Women had taken a stand against poor working conditions. And then the following year, Women's Day was created to honor women's suffrage. That was an international event. So as a result, on March 19th, 1911, more than one million women and men in several countries attended rallies to demand the right for women to vote and to end discrimination against women. A few years later, the day became a mechanism for protesting World War One. And in 1975, during International Women's Year, the United Nations began celebrating International Women's Day on March 8th, which is why we celebrated on, on March 8th. And of course, this year's International Women's Day is a uh, is very interesting one. And it's very on, uh, on top of mind because this is the first... First International Women's Day since all those Hollywood scandals and the Me Too movement.
0: Yeah, lot's changed in the last uh, year or so. It's been not even a year, I guess, just under six months that all this stuff really started to come out, right? So, uh, yeah, it, the, the landscape has changed for sure.
4: And so, number two, the theme of this year's International Women's Day is, are you ready for it? Giver. Press for progress. The World Economic Forum's 2017 Global Gender Gap Report finds that gender parity is unfortunately still 200 years away. Now that's two that's, set, that's two centuries.
0: That's a long time. That's
4: a very long time.
0: I don't think I'm going to be around that long.
4: That
1: 200 years two, away.
4: 200 years away. Okay. Yeah, and if you go to the International Women's Day uh, website, so International Women's Day. .com slash press for progress. You can show your support by signing up and showing your commitment for equality by doing one of five things on the list. Maintain a gender parity mindset, challenge stereotypes and bias, forge positive visibility of women, influence others' beliefs and actions, celebrate women's achievements, And be sure to include the hashtag Press for Progress when you tell the world how you are committed to gender
1: parity. You know, sometimes we get get slammed for doing these uh, social media sort of uh, engagements, right? Because, oh, you you put a hashtag on your tweet and all of a sudden you're a social activist. Slacktivism. Slacktivism, exactly what people call it, Brett. Uh, But this is at least a list of five things that you can do in addition to tagging your social media posts. So I I like the fact that there are concrete examples of things that you can do to have an influence.
4: Mm -hmm. And and they're things not just for today. They're things, they're basically ways to live your life. Correct. So number three, if you are looking to join with others and celebrate International Women's Day, the West Central Women's Resource Center is hosting a special event. This one is for women only. The event is going to feature a message board to share, uh, you, so you can share a message to women all around the world and you're encouraged to write a story about uh, women who've inspired you and that's going to be posted in the centre and on social media so that uh, event starts at 12.30 and goes until 4.30pm they're located at 6.40 Ellis and the West Central Women's Resource Centre I'd actually not heard of them until this morning but they provide many resources including winter warming space for women and members of the LGBT, lgbtq squared community they offer skills training assistance to newcomers and, the indi- and indigenous programming. And if you would like to show your support for International Women's Day by volunteering or maybe making a donation of some much-needed items, I'm sure they would appreciate it. You can see the whole list of much-needed items. Things range from toothpaste, to socks, to hand lotion on their website at wcwrc.ca.
1: Well, you know, you mentioned uh, the organization, the establishment of International Women's Day back in uh, 1909 Mm -hmm. and the garment workers' strike in New York. I don't know if you ever saw this movie, Channely or Brett, but I remember uh, seeing a a movie about the Triangle Factory Fire Scandal. And this was a fire that happened in New York City back in 1911 146 people perished in that fire in the Garment District of New York, 123 women and 23 men. And that movie. Was absolutely shocking to watch. I remember watching it with my mom back in 1979, the Triangle Factory Fire scandal. So seek that out if you. I will. You I've not really, heard of it. You know, it's a horrific movie, but it really brought to light for me, like Roots did, uh, the struggle. You know, like Roots did for me in terms of the struggle of uh, African American uh, African Americans in the United States uh, and and women's rights in, in working conditions. Uh, in the United States and around the world. A fascinating movie, uh, very difficult to watch.
4: I'll put that on my two-watch list maybe for this weekend.
0: Shanley Vidal, Three Things with Shanley, heard every day at this time. A special International Women's Day edition here on 680 CJOB.
1: Thank you, John Mellencamp, John Cougar, John Cougar Mellencamp, whichever you prefer. It's time now for the Small Town Salute, brought to you by South Beach Casino and Resort, where service sets them apart, southbeachcasino.ca, and we are bending the rules a little bit again this week. We're headed north to Thompson. Of course, Thompson is not a town. It is a beautiful city nestled in the boreal forest in northern manitoba to check out manitoba winter games and joined by two guests this morning bruce krentz is the communications chair for the games was born and raised in thompson and uh, bruce let's start start by asking you how are the winter games going so far I thought maybe you were going to start with Cougar or Cougar Camp. I'm a John Cougar guy. <laughs> oh, perfect. Okay. So we know what area you're from, Bruce, or era you're from. We know what area you live, born and raised, work and play. How have the uh, winter games been for Thompson so far?
13: You know, the winter games have been
1: phenomenal. I mean, uh, I know you guys got the storm earlier this
13: week, but our weather has been absolutely perfect. We're sort of like minus 5 to minus 10, so not too sloppy, but beautiful to be outside. Alpine and cross-country skiing were, were just amazing. Our volunteer group, whether it was by luck or good planning, we're going to say good planning, maybe a bit of luck, but uh, things have gone off without a hitch so far. Uh, and the way the games work is there's sort of a, a first phase, and all of those people wrapped up their sports yesterday. They got on some buses that had been coming from down south and they left and we loaded up another 700 kids for another eight different uh, events that start off this morning. So a little bit of a re-energize for us, for the volunteers and the games, because we've been at it for a little while. But uh, it's just been going so great. And the the city feels it's it's electric around here. There's a real buzz.
0: So, Bruce, uh, how many venues had to be or did any venues have to be created for these games?
13: So we didn't have to create any venues, um, and really I feel like, and this is hometown guy, I'm, I'm bragging a little bit about my, my city, but uh, 11 of the 15 events all happen on one campus and almost under one roof. So we've got two arenas, a wellness center, which is sort of like a big gymnasium, and the curling rink under one roof, and right next door, literally 10 steps away, is the high school gym where we've got some of the other events. So pretty much everything's happening in one spot. The kids are eating uh, at the high school as well. So there's a real games atmosphere where sometimes, especially with Manitoba games, you got to move around from community to community or, or more around town for us. Everything's kind of happening in one spot. Um, we have a ski hill. And so we had Alpine ski in the last days, which a lot of communities don't have. And we've got swimming this time. So no new facilities, but, uh, we're making the best use of what we got.
1: Well, I don't know if anybody can match the enthusiasm uh, of Bruce Krentz, uh, communications chair for the Manitoba Games, but we're going to give the mayor of Thompson an opportunity to try and do that. Dennis Fensky joins us now. Mayor Fensky, thank you for joining us this morning.
10: Good morning, guys. And then it's always tough to top Bruce. He's a high-energy guy and, and the face of the games from the media side. So uh, I'll try my best.
1: Well, you have an outstanding video on your website uh, promoting Thompson. I said to Brett when I was watching it yesterday, I think I'm ready to move to Thompson. <laughs> the energy and all the, all the different things that are going on in your community. And these uh, large events give people from the rest of the province an opportunity to come and see what Thompson has to offer overall, don't they, Mayor Fensky?
10: Absolutely. It's an opportunity to showcase uh, Thompson to the rest of Manitoba. And uh, constantly we uh, we see people, and you reference it yourself in, in, in reference to the video, but all of the kids that are on the buses, and we, as Bruce mentioned, we had... Uh, 14 buses arrived yesterday uh, afternoon at 3 o'clock and 14 buses head south at the same time. Uh, So it was turnaround day, but constantly we hear from the the kids and the coaches as they come over down the hill from the highway uh, into the city. They uh, don't realize how big we are to begin with, the amenities that we have, the friendliness of the community once they get off the buses. Uh, so far, it's in the first phase. It's been an excellent experience for all involved, not only the athletes and coaches and f- officials, but but our volunteers as well. We have well over nine hundred volunteers giving up their time over the the uh, six days and uh, uh, the seven o'clock mornings. There's a few bleary eyed uh, bleary eyes, but uh, we uh, re-energize and go for the day, and, and everybody's having a great time.
0: Mayor Vensky, I see that uh, Thompson is uh, known as the hub of the north. Why is that? Absolutely, yes. Uh,
10: we are geographically uh, the center of the north, and from the uh, the pillars of our community, which is basically uh, industry, health, education, government services, transportation, and commerce, uh, we are the center area for the outlying areas. We have a trading area of around 65,000 people, uh, mostly uh, probably 90% First Nation and Métis, Uh, And we have a strong base here of 13,000 plus uh, community members. Uh, So we are that hub. People come to us for health services, for entertainment, uh, for goods and services from that perspective. Uh, We do also host the last standing fur table each fall, which is unique to Thompson for all the northern trappers to come in and bring their goods. So that's one of the, the major events as well. And so, yeah, that we are the hub, uh, we are considered the hub, and we continue to promote ourselves as the hub.
1: Bruce, talk about raising your family in Thompson. I I know some quality people who have spent part of their lives in in Thompson, and they all all rave about the time that they spent in your city.
13: Yeah, you know, just like Mayor Fenske, I'm a guy who uh, grew up here and then left for a little while, went to university, tried some other things and chose to come back. And uh, and it really was a choice to come back here. I mean, there's no better place in terms of getting out. We have a, a remote cabin that we spend some time at. And um, like I talked about, our facilities are as good as, as any anywhere in terms of recreation and opportunities for my kids who are just sort of finishing up high school. Uh, we're incredible in terms of the stuff that the high school offers and things they could do in a small place. So, I mean, we love it here. We have no plans to to move on, and I think the opportunities are incredible. I think you got to see the world and know what else is out there. But uh, like myself, there's I could name 10 people on our organizing committee here who uh, same thing grew up here, left for a little while, and chose to come back. We're a tight knit community, and uh, there's lots of great stuff happening here.
0: So Bruce, uh, the games wrap up this Saturday. If anybody wants more information, is there where should they go online?
13: Yeah, for sure. www.manitoba.games.ca is the place to find all our info the results are are there right now we've been uh we've had an army of photographers and writers volunteer people who have been compiling content so there's lots of stuff there we've also been doing some video stuff uh shot tv thompson on youtube has 60 videos of volunteers and athletes and just some of the buzz uh about what's happening here at the games live streaming of the opening ceremonies and uh the, the gold medal hockey game yesterday speed skating and the closing so Check out all that stuff, too. If you can't come here, and I know I speak for Mayor Fenske saying we would love to have you, come on up. But if you can't make it, check out the live stream.
1: Boy, they picked the right guy for the communications chair. Bruce Krentz, thank you for this. (laughs) And uh, Mayor Fenske, in 20 seconds or so, give us the the website for the City of Thompson for those that would like to see that video and learn more about your city that we were uh, referencing earlier.
10: Sure, Thompson.ca is the place to be, and go ahead and just follow the prompts, and you can get to pretty much any kind of information you you want. So, and as Bruce said, if you can't come come north, at least experience this uh, through electronics. All
0: right, Mayor Dennis Fenske, thank you very much for joining us from the city of Thompson. Again, as Greg mentioned earlier, kind of bending the rules a little bit for the small town salute, our weekly small town salute, as the Manitoba Winter Games are on this week in Thompson, which is about eight. A- hours north of winnipeg uh, 762 kilometers from the center of winnipeg and again south a small town salute for south beach casino and resort where service sets them apart southbeachcasino.ca as we wait for a verdict in the attempted murder trial of guido amsel we've been telling you about conversations amsel has had from jail with global news reporter Brittany greenslade Brittany joins
1: us now live to talk about Amsel's time in jail. Good good morning, Brittany, and we have to ask you, pardon me, what has uh, Guido Amsel's demeanor been like while you've been speaking to him over the last few weeks?
11: He's very quiet. He's very soft-spoken. Uh, I've spoken to him for a number of hours over the past few weeks, and he's very determined. He believes very firmly that um, he was framed, that somebody else did this. He points at his ex-wife, as we've heard, Um so he's very adamant in that regard. But in other ways, he's he's just very soft-spoken. And we saw that a lot in court besides the, you know, random outbursts, we'll call them at, at times. Um, he's also very polite, which I wasn't expecting. Um, so that was that was a surprise for me. Um, but just very quiet, I think, is the, the best way to describe him.
0: How does he feel the trial went and what is he expecting?
11: He thinks the trial has gone in his favour. He believes firmly that he is going to get an innocent, not guilty uh, verdict in this trial. He believes his defence lawyer has done, in his words, a good enough job to get him off. He also says if it goes the other way, which he is not expecting, uh, he plans to appeal it. He's already said flat out, I'm innocent. If I get a guilty verdict, I will be appealing that decision right away.
1: I think we all, at one time or another, have imagined Brittany spending time in prison. Guido Amsel has been in jail since his arrest in the summer of 2015. What has life been like for him behind bars?
11: I don't think anybody expects jail to be easy, uh, especially if it's your first time there. Um, he says it's very difficult. It's something he's obviously not used to. Um, at times, he spent days in isolation, which means three days in one kind of cubicle by yourself. Uh, It means you don't get access to phone. You don't get access to anybody else. Um, And so he spent a number of days in isolation over the past two and a half years. He also attempted to go for bail right away and didn't get that. So he has not been outside since any of this happened in July 2015. Um, And you can imagine, I think all of us would would say, it's difficult.
14: It is uh, very, very hard for me. I know I was in jail before. I'm not the type of person. I have a family waiting out there. Almost impossible. Uh, but as I said, I do have a family out
0: there that keeps me alive in here. And what's it been like, Brittany, for his family?
11: I think that's what's been even more difficult. His wife uh, has taken over the business. She knew nothing about the auto body shop. Um, she moved over here, <coughs> pardon me, after they got married from the Philippines. So he's actually been guiding her through this. On multiple phone calls a day from jail, teaching her about the business, what she needs to do, because she's keeping that afloat so that she can provide for their two children. It's a long time
13: that I haven't seen my wife and my kids uh, (laughs) physically. I I hug them a lot, my kids and my wife. And uh,
14: they are coming out, three weeks are coming out here to visit me for 33 months now, 32 months. They're here every week, and I see them and talk to them, so they do make my life
0: much easier. I'm sorry, Brittany, I fired that uh, prematurely itchy uh, trigger finger on that one. Go ahead.
11: No worries. It's just that his um, his um wife is really holding this together from the outside. We've seen her in trial on multiple days there as well, supporting him, supporting him throughout not just that eight-week trial, but throughout this two and a half years where he's been behind bars. And also through those failed bail attempts where she believed and he believed that he was going to get out on bail and they would just have to make their way through this trial. So obviously that's not something that happened and now awaiting that verdict.
0: All right, Brittany Greenslade, thank you so much, and get well soon. Sounds like Brittany coming down with something a little bit. Pushing through the pain, as we like to say, 853 on 680 CJOB. Brittany Greenslade uh, joining us live from 201 Portage uh, with our television colleagues. We have a couple of minutes left here before Global News at 9 o'clock with Jeff Braun, and you have in your your dirty West End (laughs) mitts... What do you mean dirty? I'm just kidding. I, 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 remember, I just sanitized. I, I remember <laughs> Charles Adler saying something to me uh, when I was uh, his technical producer. He said, what do you have there, McGarry, in your dirty transcona mitts? <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, I'll take it as a badge of honor then. Uh, this uh, this headline from the folks at Oxford Dictionaries, Canadian English addictions to Oxford Dictionaries, from Trudomania to fuddle a duddle, with it sitting under the North American umbrella and sharing many words with American in English, you might think Canadian English not so different from its southerly neighbour. Not so. Canadian English has its own unique vocabulary used only in the Great White North, which would be one word that's uh, highlighted as Canadian. And our most recent New Words update saw a host of these distinctly Canadian words and phrases added to Oxford dictionaries.
0: Yeah, so whether you're a Calgarian, a Mm -hmm. Winnipegger, Mm -hmm. or from somewhere in between, Oxford thinks it's something worth celebrating, so they want to take a trip through the vast and varying landscape of their new Canadian English editions. If you're in Newfoundland or the Maritime Provinces, you might celebrate with a kitchen party. Right. This is an informal social gathering with music and dancing typically held at a person's home. See, when I heard the word kitchen party, I just thought that that's inevitably where the party ends up. When you have friends over? In the kitchen.
1: Always ends up in the kitchen. Yeah, that's why you gotta have a big kitchen, Brett. Uh, certainly, it seems wiser to host your own event. <laughs> uh, we're familiar with this terminology in Winnipeg than to take a trip to a uh Booze can, a bar that operates without an official permit.
0: Yeah, I always uh, thought of those as being kind of really sketchy places,
8: right? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Okay. Oh,
1: yeah, Uh, so I've heard. Uh, And even if you thought you could pick up a bargoon there, a humorous pronunciation of bargain first seen in the 1960s, pardon me. Oh, and look at this. Whatever your excuse to party, your best friend's
0: stagette. That's one of the terms. I guess also that's known a, as a,
1: a Canadian thing, too.
0: Yeah, it's uh, because I think elsewhere they call it. I think in England they call it a hen. And uh, uh, down under, too. Bachelorette party. Uh, and then they this I, I like. They call it May Long. Yes. Oxford has gone with May Long. In other parts of the country, they call it May 2-4. Uh,
1: in, in particular, Ontario. I'm not a fan of that. Spinorama. Oh, yeah, spinorama like uh, Serge Savard, the spinorama, A uh, uh, Serge Savardian spinorama. Okay. or Denny Savard did a spinorama. It's a hockey move okay. when you're heading forward, and then maybe you, you do a 360 to as a maneuver to, so to
0: get around a player. It's, uh, kind of, it's Booker T. They had the Spinaroonie. Can you nice dig it, dig it, a, a sucker? I'm Reverend He's great. Macklin. Thank
1: you for listening to 680 CJOB. McDonald's flipped its iconic golden arches and people are freaking out. Yeah, This comes from California and it was on my social media, a picture of a golden arches in California at a California McDonald's in honor of International Women's Day. Yep. They took the, the M, the iconic M and turned it upside down. To change it into a W,
0: yeah, and of course, uh, naturally, there are some who I think were in favor of it. There's one amusing reaction here uh, from somebody named Caitlin Corral, who says, "Before looking at the image, I I really thought McDonald's was turning the arches upside down to look like a butt to celebrate women." and was like, yeah, not the best marketing idea. A W for women <laughs> makes more sense.
1: Oh, is Lara here? Is Lara here? Oh, come on in, Lara. So this was in uh, <laughs> Linwood, California. If you want to check it out, there's been at least one... Uh, Twitter uh, feed and one Twitter string of conversation that's gone essentially viral. Uh, Bogwolf at True B says McDonald's, in celebration of women, we are flipping the arches upside down. Or you could give your employees better benefits. McDonald's, look, it's a W. Maybe a living wage, better family leave, a career path forward in the face of automation. McDonald's, the W stands for women. And I think, you know, this just highlights the fact I'm all in favor of living wages, etc. But you know what? It just goes to show, like, if if you can't do everything, you shouldn't do anything.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it's, I, I like what they did with this. And, and clearly that's not Larry? it's not, uh, it Let takes a lot see. of work to Oh, do that. I see, yeah. They flipped I the... just
14: want to say just as a, as a little uh, comment. Hi, I'm Larry. Hi, Larry. And good morning. <laughs> um, just as a little point on, on the fine art of rhetoric, that when you make a statement and then say, but, after, it undermines the first part of the statement. But, I'm all in favor of this. But, but oh, yes. <laughs> I want to apologize to uh, to to both of you before we begin this extraordinary audio adventure, <laughs> um, which is that I am. Uh, as you, I ran into the studio because I was uh, you were a little tardy. bit late. You were tardy. I was tardy, and uh, I want to blame a company, but I don't want to embarrass them. No problem. So let me just say it rhymes with buffies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> good
1: morning. Did you get a tardy slip from the principal before the studio? I did uh, get a tardy slip, the yes. Studio? Laura, thanks so much for doing this. Oh, on thank this. you
14: so much, and happy International Women's Day to everybody.
1: You, you, you know, we've had you on this program either in the afternoon in the morning at least half a dozen times in the last year and a half. and, and Brett says it, and I concur wholeheartedly. You are one of our favorite guests. Oh, bless your we, dear hearts. We, we love the discussion. We love to talk about the uh, events that you're promoting and uh, your unique perspective on things. But on International Women's Day, it is as unique a perspective as it comes. You were once a man. I was, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one way. Yeah, I would, I would, I would
14: frame it slightly differently that, you know, like I would use, I usually say, you know, I was like male bodied as opposed to because I never felt, you know, and, and uh, that's held up by science, but we won't go into that. But yes, definitely, of course, you know, it's a kind of living on both sides kind of a situation. So we you can know? say
1: you lived as a man. Yeah, I lived as a man, there yes, with,
14: with the requisite, you know, uh, privilege, you know, uh, to some degree and so on. And uh, yeah, and so that makes my perspective different. You know, and
0: uh, well, just that term and uh, male-bodied. Yeah, that's the kind of term that I imagine probably makes some people not just raise an eyebrow, but go, "Come on, what are you what, male-bodied? What are we making up terms now?" Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I mean, it's a
14: pretty easy to understand kind of phrase, right? That uh, well, it. Ought i to never, be. you know, I I was never my 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 body and my my brain and my comprehension, my self consciousness of my gender. Uh, from as early as four years old was, was, was misaligned you know and in medicine they call it a gender a dysphoria, right And uh, it, it causes a tremendous amount of psychological distress and anxiety. And um, at this point in our history, the only way that you can give people relief um, seems to be to, to conform the, the body to the mind as, as as opposed to the other way around and, and it's been a fascinating and, and very fulfilling. Um, you know, adventure for me in some ways. But, you know, on a day like International Women's Day, you know, you really sit back and reflect. And one of the things that I reflect on, having lived on both sides, is just how, you know, even though I identified uh, with and had so many friends who were girls and women throughout my life, the issues that are imposed upon women, you know, did not affect me personally in the same way and so when something happens to somebody else you know we all uh, you know have a desire to to express and, and, and to have empathy but it's very different when it happens to you you know and so as much as I didn't get that from the time I became conscious of being a girl and a girl being different than a boy and and, and being lesser than you know in in terms of how society seemed to treat you, um, I had awareness of that, but it did, did not in, impact me. And I think that one of the useful things about that for me in terms of taking some of that male privilege and white male privilege that I did used to enjoy that disappeared very quickly, um, is that I do have the, I do have that power and that voice, you know, and so I do uh, sometimes have that ability to kind of assert myself in the way that I'm socialized to do, that sometimes you'll see that uh, people who are socialized as women have more difficulty doing because they're, they're just constantly put down. And I've certainly noticed since, I, since transitioning that my ability to do that is, is lessened, that I that I am treated much less well by people, not just as a woman, but as a, as a transgender person. So you kind of get it. You get it from both sides you know and you know it's been terribly um it's been terribly interesting but it's it's also quite painful and then also as a male uh bodied person who was socialized as a man and uh even though i was always attracted to boys when i was young and men when i was older uh in a very female way i did like many uh people who recognize that maybe they're different from other people uh and yet in my case, didn't feel any shame. I knew I was transgender when I was four years old and by five or six, I knew what it was and I knew there were people like me and I felt no no sense of personal shame. I always felt it was just a very natural thing that some people were left handed, some people were transgender, some people were homosexual and stuff. And so I was lucky in that way. However, I learned very quickly that society did not feel the same in many cases. And as much as our lives have gotten much, much better recently, Um, They're also still extremely difficult, especially down in the United States. One of the most troubling things that's happened, and and I think the thing that causes me the most anxiety uh, on a daily basis as a transgender woman is actually the pushback as women are being pushed down, as natal women, you know, people who are born female, are being pushed down. They, and this is a very common tendency. There, they, there is, um, in, in groups of women, and they've been around for a long time, but they, they seem to be growing in population, women who express hostility towards transgender women, right? And so, you know, in my view, a very anti-feminist uh, position, but this has become uh, much more loud. And there's, an, there's, a, there's a name, it's called TERFs, uh, trans-exclusionary radical feminists. And these are women who say trans women are not women. And then it's become even worse in in terms of how politicized it's become. They now say and cause a great deal of confusion because nobody knows what they're talking about. They actually have signs, and I saw one at the Women's March to my great distress uh, in, in England. The woman was holding one up that said trans men are men. And by that, they don't mean transgender men are real men, like a, an advocation for transgender men, they refuse to even incorporate the word women in our identities. And this is, this is pretty new and pretty, pretty darn scary, you know? And uh, it's quite a difference. And it, it's a small group. And I think feminism, uh, you know, is learning in, in many ways to become totally in- inclusionary. And we're seeing that.
1: International Women's Day. Lara Ray is joining us in studio. And uh, Lara, you have, uh, as we mentioned, a unique perspective on this International Women's Day. You've seen the life, life from both sides now. <laughs> I didn't mean, have to say it, you just
14: sing it. Still somehow. I really don't get men at all. Something like that. Yes. <laughs> no, I have. I have seen, yeah, I've seen it from both Is sides. Is that
1: available on LP or That's on or LP, CD. yes. Okay, uh, great. Um,
14: no, but yeah, it's very true. And so I say that sometimes because I get as a woman, you know, sometimes just don't feel that I'm being heard or very interesting One standing in a line, say at shoppers. And then usually a, usually a man, but not always, will just come and like go in front of me. And it's just just that notion of uh, of being invisible. It's like the opposite of manspreading. You know, when you're socialized as male, you just plant yourself like you are right now. You just take up the room. I'm I'm crouched in the corner here because you've just spread yourself so wide in your own studio, your your lair, your man cave that I can barely get on the mic. So that's an example.
1: (laughs) But you're such an (laughs) exaggerator.
14: Am I hysterical? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) So Anyway, so the opposite of that is, and you see it with women all the time, it's, you know, women not being heard in the office. You know, when, when they're trying to advocate or when they do, it's like, would you stop screaming or would you stop nagging? I mean, this is the first time in my life I've been called a nag when I'm just trying to assert myself rather than passionate or dominant or all these positive words for getting what your needs met. Now it's like you're being a nag, you're, you're, you're exaggerating, you're over the top, you're being hysterical and so on. So I get that. And then the other is I say, you know, as a woman and then as a transgender woman or as a transgender person. When people read me as, as you know, having lived in two genders, maybe I mean, I look look at me today. I mean, you know, I look beautiful, but sometimes people will see by my affect or my voice or the same. You know, maybe, maybe she wasn't. You know, maybe she looked a bit different. You know, before. So I'm sitting in Porridge Place in the food court, and. Uh, I'm I'm on the phone to my friend from Toronto. We had like an appointment uh, to, to call each other and it's very loud in there. It's like always very busy, right? And so I put, she said she couldn't hear me. So in order to get like a good voice on the mic, I put it on speaker, but I turned it down so it wasn't bothering anybody. But I'm talking into it like, you know, like a walkie talkie more than having it to my ear, right? And so I'm just sitting so, so my eyes can look around the food court and I'm talking into this kind of device, right? And I'm just talking to my friend, nobody's the people around me, I'm not bothering them, they're not bothering me. And then about maybe five tables away, there's three men and three women. And very quickly, uh, once I start talking, this man looks over at me, and he's kind of squinting, kind of very mean, and he's pointing at me. And then another man at the table starts pointing at me too, and then it's very clear they're talking about me. And people aren't usually that overt about it. You know, they might stare, but then they don't want to embarrass me. Yeah, you know, and so, and this keeps going on all through the phone call. I'm getting more and more distressed and upset. And then you know what they do? They actually, they get up as a group and they move further away and with their back to me. Like the ultimate form of erasure, you know? And I finished the call and this, this was the 20 minutes this went on. And then I finished my call and then... You pick your battles, but I thought in this one, you know, I've got to go up and I've got to say, you know, I'm a, I'm a woman, I'm a human being, you know, for God's sake, please, you know, you're making me feel like garbage. But before I do, this other woman who's not at the table comes by and she says, uh, do you know your cell phone flashlight is on? (laughs) And so the entire time I'm on the phone, I'm shining this laser in this poor man's eyes. And that's why he's squinting, right? And that's why they're pointing. And they actually think at some point I'm doing it on purpose. And so I dash over there, and I'm so apologetic. And I say to the man, I said, why didn't you just come over and tell me? He says, I saw you on the phone. I didn't want to be rude. <laughs> oh,
1: my
13: God.
0: So you have to be careful, right? With your (laughs) Hey, you can see Larry tonight, Park Theater. It's okay to rent at 7 p.m. Email us for details.
1: Only on 680 CGOB can you hear Iron Maiden, ACDC, Van Halen, all introducing segments on AM radio. That's how we roll around here. Mackling McGarry on a Thursday morning. It is International Women's Day. And we understand how... Important it is that women feel empowered. Unfortunately, that's not always the case, Brett, especially as it has to do with one particular area, and that's financial independence.
0: Yes, a survey by the Leger poll found that uh, found that nearly 9 in 10 Canadian women have at least one struggle when it comes to their finances. Financial expert and award-winning author Kelly Keene joins us live on 680 CJOB to discuss the results and offer tips on how women help improve their financial security. Uh, Not just one of our favorite women, but one of our favorite people. Kelly, good morning to you.
15: Good morning, Brett and Greg. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, it's not the same when you're, you know, miles away. Where are we catching up to you today, Kelly?
15: I know. I'm in Vancouver today. I wish I was in studio with you guys, but
1: Well, yeah. we appreciate that, and we always appreciate the access. So talk about this idea, this challenges uh, towards financial independence that, that women, women, I guess, are really admitting to, right, if they're answering the survey?
15: Yeah, yeah. So this survey, um, as 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 Brett said, was uh, leger put it on for the Financial Planning Standards Council. These are the folks that certify financial planners in Canada, and we we wanted to know what was on the hearts and minds of Canadian women because. We don't feel that you, you know, can truly be free until you're financially free. So, um, yeah, we were really surprised with some of these findings. Four in ten women said that they knew very little about finance and investment. Um, Half said they didn't have a written plan. 42% don't know their credit score. Um, this is a really interesting one, guys. Um, we've been we've talked about this before in your show about women feeling much less comfortable negotiating than men. And a- a- it's not spring; it doesn't feel like spring, but I mean, it is going <laughs> to come eventually. And with the warmer weather, people are going to start negotiating um, for houses and mortgages and cars and sofas. And um, our survey found that four in ten women said they were very uncomfortable negotiating a uh, uh, interest rate, uh, for example. So um, Um, certainly there's a lot that women can do. I think it's a little bit of a wake-up call. It's a great opportunity for women to maybe... You know, put it as a top priority um, to educate themselves when it comes to financial matters.
1: Now that means six and ten are comfortable, and I'm married to one of those, uh, yeah, one and ten. Right on. I, and I'd have Jackie negotiate any financial deal for me anytime, any place. But I also know that some of that, um, that that apprehension about having a discussion. Say you're approved for a mortgage. And we talk about how every half a percent or three quarter of a percent uh, can make a difference. Mm-hmm. I know as someone who struggled financially in my younger years, I was just happy to get the mortgage and the mm-hmm. mortgage rate was secondary. Do you think that's part of the issue for women You know, in this survey is the fact, well, they're just happy to get approved in the first place?
15: Yeah, and probably for men too, right? I think that's a really sure. good good point. That, um, you know, the old banker days <laughs> were kind of like um, very godlike, right? These these people would grant you either something or not. And and people forget that it's a business. It's always a business, and they want your business. And that means that everything is flexible and negotiable. And if you have never worked at a bank or don't know someone at a bank, it, it can be very intimidating. But, you yeah, you bet. Like, you can absolutely negotiate that interest rate. You can absolutely ask for a better interest rate on your credit card. Um, It won't hurt your credit score. A lot of times people, if, um, you know, the fact is, too, we've talked about this lots of times on the show because the number stays the same. 50% of Canadians are $200 away from not being able to pay their bills. Um, People are having a hard time, and, and when, if and when you're in that situation, you don't feel very good about yourself, your your self-esteem oftentimes has taken a real hit. And it's really hard to stand up for yourself and say, hey, I need a better rate. I, I you know, what can we do here? So, um, you know, you definitely want to have a pro on your side. If, if, if you've got the means, you want help from someone like a certified financial planner. If you don't and the calls are coming in and you can't do it on your own, then you need someone like a nonprofit credit counsellor. Um, but yeah, you are so right, Greg, that like negotiating on a mortgage, oh, that can save you tens of thousands of dollars in the life of your mortgage.
0: Kelly Keen is our guest. com is the web sp- website that's spelled K-E-L-L-E-Y-K-E-E-H-N.com. She is consumer advocate for financial planning standards council. She's an award-winning author and just a general financial guru that we like to bring on from time to time. And I'm just looking at some of the other things that this Leger Paul has uh, found, Kelly, uh, on this International Women's Day and with Equal Pay Day looming for mm-hmm. April 10th, um, that, uh, well, actually, let me ask you this. You're just ignoring the poll for a second because mm-hmm. this ties into some of the stuff that we were doing uh, earlier this morning and some of the things that we learned from young entrepreneurs is that that female entrepreneurs are, are more likely to not seek financial assistance maybe because they they know they're already going to have a hard time do you have any sort of tips on that
15: Hmm. yeah i mean the thing is is there's all these assumptions that we make and i and i think the number one thing for people to do is interview or do your very best to try to get close to someone who's done what you want to do because um part of the problem is if you don't even have a picture for what's possible you won't even ask and i say this from personal experience that For example, I I did not go to university. I went to college. I took a little program. Um, No one in my family, my immediate family, had graduated. If I would have interviewed someone, saw someone, you know, uh, we didn't have the financial means, but if I would have known about student loans and things of that sort, someone had taken me to a university campus, how different my life could have been. So for that young woman who's not seeking out um, any type of, you know, uh, venture capital funds or angel investing or even just a... A loan from a bank or what have you, don't assume. Don't assume. Get some help. Uh, go and talk to someone. Uh, make an appointment. Ask if you can just speak to somebody for 15 minutes, and you would be surprised how much information you'll get and how much money really is out there in grants and opportunities. Um, there's so much left on the table. That we just don't realize. We think the process is going to be too hard, or it just isn't for us. So don't make that assumption. Give yourself give yourself um, uh, more credit, you know, than 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 that.
1: Well, why don't we use that terminology and, and use it as a spring for springboard for that whole idea of either growing your business, growing your personal wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're afraid of borrowing money at times, just in these times. But there are times when the power of other people's money is extremely valuable. Mm -hmm. How do we take advantage of that without being scared about it, regardless of gender?
15: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if other people's money, if it's buying a property, if it's buying just your own property, if it's buying a rental property, if it's investing in a business, if it's even, you've got all this unused RSP room on the table, right? We just went through RSP season and you might get back that assessment after you do your taxes in april saying wow you've got all of this room well you could have maybe borrowed money if you had a good uh it was a good income earning year so you're right like you really have to understand the risk i mean there's the other side where people borrow money too quickly don't understand that they've got to pay it back and 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 what that means if they they go into an investment that might tank but on the the flip side of it Um, You know, that's what that's what a lot of people who have amassed wealth have done is they really understand um, they're prudent. They're very prudent if they're borrowing money. They really understand the terms and conditions of it. Um, but, yeah, they don't just, just uh, you know, um, say forget it. That's for, for people who are, are too high risk or it's not for me. At least give yourself the opportunity to examine that option.
0: And I guess one final thing here that I'm looking at, just one of the, the key findings that uh, has been laid out here, is that 60% of women, at least of those polled, in the forty five to fifty four age bracket don't have a a financial plan. That seems like a like a high number.
15: Yeah, that was a real standout for us because those are your high income earning years, right? These are these are the years that you're earning the most ideally, that you are struggling with some really tough decisions like, do you get a mortgage? Do you pay down on the mortgage? Do you go into the RSP, TFSA, say for the kids in the RESP? These are not easy things to answer. um, And if you don't have the calculators and you don't have all of that, um, it can be really complex. So this is exactly the time you should be reaching out like I said, seeing someone like a certified financial planner, if you don't have the assets yet, there's fee-only planners that you can pay per hour uh, that can help you answer these questions. Um, if you do have assets, there's lots of people, of course, <laughs> who'd be happy to talk to you and provide some <laughs> free planning. Um, but at least, again, reach out. It's always, it's almost, guys, it's almost always a free call, you know? It's almost always a free call to a banker or a planner or a nonprofit credit counsellor or someone that can get you some information. So when in doubt, make that free call and and get that fifteen minute uh, advice. And, and, and see, see, maybe maybe someone can provide, um, you know, some expertise on your blind spots that you hadn't even considered.
1: With all the things that, that cause us uh, to be fearful, Kelly, quite often it is just taking that step to make one phone call, whether it's about a mental illness that you're dealing with, a financial issue, picking up the phone and finding out what am I really dealing with here and what are my options.
15: Oh, that is so true. Yeah, it's just take a deep breath. Be brave and uh, make that call. You're going to feel so much better after, and, and you're going to have more options on the table for you.
0: Well, if you want to find out more about Kelly Keene, go to her website, kellykeene.com. And Kelly, thank you so much for joining us this morning once again on this International Women's Day.
15: Thank you, gentlemen. Enjoy
8: the day.
0: All right, take care, Kelly Keene. Once again, the consumer advocate for Financial Planning Standards Council. She is a financial expert and an award-winning author. She's written multiple books. Again, the website Kelly Keen. Com. And that's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Greg. International Women's Day. Behind the Glass, Jerry and Shanley Vidal, thank you. And thank you for listening to CJOB. <laughs>